Hi everybody, this is Gad Saad. I wanted to uh, post a quick uh, clip uh, discussing uh, some of the issues around gun control. A uh, couple of points to set up uh, my arguments. Um, a few years ago in 2017, I was receiving a innumerable number of death threats, so much so that, uh, you know, when I would go into the university, I'd have to... Uh, check in with the security then someone from security would come with me to the class they would lock the door from outside so that students can leave the class but if they wanted to come back in they had to uh, knock because it was locked then the security would be there when i finished class when i would leave uh, the university you know f furtively and get into the car uh, you know my wife is picking me up i would kind of have this big sigh of relief that i survived for another week uh, the university uh, sent a person with me to the uh, Montreal police, not the campus police, the Montreal police to file a report, you know, and I brought the dossier with all the death threats and so on. Uh, fortunately, after, uh, you know, a rough semester, the death threats died down and, you know, all worked out, knock on wood. Uh, but the reason I'm telling you that story is because at uh, one point I had m met up with the head of security at uh, my university and as we were talking about the issues that i was facing and the security challenges that i was facing i asked him well you know is, is there a way that you might help is there, is there a way for me to be protected to get a gun license and have a gun have so that i'm not a sitting duck i don't know when you know someone's gonna be coming at me and and i have the natural right to protect my life right because the person who's coming at me and wants to do something bad to me, I can't say, please stop and slow down while I call the police to protect me, right? And even the most fervent gun control enthusiast would, would have to say, if they're a reasonable person, that I have the right. And when I say I, I mean anybody. But in this case, I was receiving a lot of death threats. I was a very public figure. People knew exactly where I would be at a given time because my class times are available. You would know if I have office hours during this time and so on and so forth. So if you wanted to cause me harm, then you'd know exactly where to find me. I felt like a sitting duck. And he looked at me and he said that, this is him speaking now, I was a general in the Canadian army and I was, I think he was part of the security detail. I don't know if it was for the queen or well, you know, whatever. I can't remember exactly. I think it was for the queen or for any royals that came to town or something like that. The, the, the details escape me. But basically, you know, you couldn't imagine someone who had more reasons to, to be armed from a historical perspective and that he was a, you know, a military man. He was a general. He was uh, a guy who was, you know, the head of security of Concordia. And he said that it is impossible for me, this is him speaking, to, to have a gun. And so the chances of you being able to get a gun are are nil. And so... I basically had to live my life saying, I really hope that all those death threats are not, you know, nobody's going to come through with them because if they come through with them, then that's it. I lose my life because I live in a place where I'm not allowed to have the individual dignity of, pretend, of protecting my life, right? I don't have that right. I have to call someone. It's subcontracted to someone who will come to protect me, assuming that they are not too busy answering another call. Otherwise, well, I die and that's the price that we pay. So that's the first story. 
let me remind you of a second story from the parasitic mind. This is the pomegranate story that I tell in chapter one of the book. For those of you who know it, you'll remember what a harrowing story it was. We were able to survive that story. I won't repeat the entire story here, but we were able to survive because luckily we were able to call a operating police unit in the middle of brutal civil war and they actually came when we called them. Uh, had they not come, our trajectory might have been very different. Had we had guns that could protect us, we could at least had a fighting chance. So our only hope that evening was the fact that in the middle of a civil war, we made a call and those uh, folks were honorable enough, courageous enough to come to our rescue. But again, we had subcontracted our lives, our integrity, our body integrity, our ability to survive another day to others because we didn't have the guns that could have protected us, that would have allowed us to have a fighting chance. And as I have told you also in the parasitic mind of the nightmares that I had for 25 plus years after I left Lebanon and the nightmare, which subsequently I found out through one of the guests on my show, the gentleman, I think it was the Robert O'Neill who had killed bin Laden. When I told him, when, I, when we discussed the two dreams that I'm about to tell you, he said, oh yes, uh, it's called the warrior dream and many people in the military have a similar dream. And so the dream, the nightmare that haunted me for many years, I haven't had it now probably for at least a decade. Uh, you know, I don't remember when this last time I had it, but it's it, it's been a lot less than the first 25 plus years of my life after Lebanon. Uh, I would wake up in a complete panic because I had just dreamt that the bad guys were coming to the house to kill us. And then my gun jams or another version of the dream. I run out of ammo and I wake up in a panic because that's it. I'm finished. Now, why you don't have to be a deep psychoanalyst to understand what's the, uh, the you know, the, the, the underlying uh, gist of that dream, which is that we were sitting ducks. And so the, the gun malfunctioning, the gun running out of ammo is a manifestation of the deep rooted fear that you're not in control of your life. The bad guys are coming to get you and you're about to die. Now, what solves that is the American uh, amendment that says every individual has a right to bear arms. And of course, not only in that you protect yourself against the criminals who come after you, but as the founding fathers of the United States had so unbelievably uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a deeply philosophically deep insight said, never mind the threat of criminals or from people from outside the country. Gun ownership stems from a desire to quell the tyranny of your own government, right? The reason why it's very hard to repeal the Second Amendment if you were to try to knock on every door and take all of the guns in the United States is because it's probably not going to go too well. If you study history, the first thing that dictators do is they take away all your guns and your weaponry because, you know, it's for the greater good. Trust us, we'll take care of you. Now give up your right to defend yourself. We have a very good police force that will protect you. Again, if you come from a deep-rooted sense of individual dignity and individual freedom, I don't need to subcontract 
the right to defend myself to others. It is the most fundamental right that I have, which is to protect my right to life. Now, am I a big gun guy? Absolutely not. I've only, I went once with a good friend of mine who's a, who, who was, he just recently retired, uh, an FBI special agent. He took me to a gun range and we, we shot several guns and a kind of a machine gun type of gun. Uh, and, you know, so it's not as though I'm this big gun enthusiast, but I am a big freedom enthusiast. It shapes my life, as I explained in chapter one of The Parasitic Mind, truth and freedom. So when I see someone like Justin Trudeau, as he just announced a few days ago, that it will not be possible to, you know, uh, do basically anything with guns in Canada. You can't sell them. You can't collect them. You can't do anything. Well, you already have unbelievably stringent gun laws here, making it almost impossible for anybody to protect themselves. He's made them even stronger. Why? Because the substitute drama teacher who's never held a job in his life until he became our overlord, he was a snowboarder and a substitute drama teacher. That's his highest professional standing before he ran Canada is telling you, I will decide if you have a right to defend yourself. Again, there is nothing more fundamentally important than the right to trace your own path in your life, the right to your own money not taking 58% of my book royalties, the right to your own property. This is my property. It's my intellectual property, right? But this is what happens in socialist, communist utopia. There is a greater overlord that will tell you what you can study, how you can study, which profession you can take, when you can open your terrace if you have a restaurant, when you put your tires on your car, when you can walk across the street, otherwise it's jaywalking, the intrusions come slowly. And then one day you're North Korea, right? And by the way, I'm now thinking that my next book is going to be a new manifesto for freedom, for, you know, true libertarianism in every sense of the world. word. None of this tax stuff, none of this intrusion. Now, I don't know if it's just a pipe dream that I'm having here, thinking that we can reverse the trend. I'm not sure. But, you know, communism in the Soviet Union did fall in the late 80s. We did have a change in historical patterns. Jews were slaves for many, many years until they no longer were slaves. Slavery has been an endemic part of all societies for millennia. And now most societies don't have it, although some do. In Canada, we do. It's called 70% of my yearly income goes to the government when you add up all the different taxes. That's almost pure slavery. So the bottom line is uh, the U.S. does have a problem with violence, but usually, and with gun violence, that problem doesn't stem because guns exist. In Israel, Every single person is walking around with an Uzi. If you walk, if you go into a, 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 a bus, all of the people who are doing their military service, they're 18, 19, 20, they're all carrying machine guns. So, you know, weapons of war. And yet you don't have the kind of shootings and killings you have in the United States. So, yes, guns are the means by which you can impart violence. But 
to borrow Professor Dr. Kamala Harris's famous term, root causes, the root causes of gun violence is not guns. Guns is the means by which we do it, right? And so the, my point here is not to talk about the shooting, the school shootings and so on. That's a different conversation. My, my point really is about freedom. When I was getting hundreds of death threats on my personhood, on my right to exist, that I have the fundamental right to protect myself in any way I saw fit, or that I simply need to develop anxiety. And eventually one day last summer, I had a panic attack and I'm the most cool guy, but it stemmed from the fact that when I'm walking, I don't know who's coming at me. 99.9% of people are fans and lovely, but it just takes that one person who, who, who implements the death threat that was sent my way. And then, oops, too bad, Dr. Saad, you lost your life. But at least we don't have guns in Canada, right? That's an effeminate way to live life, right? The world is shaped by the following dynamic. One group of men want to take what another group of men have. And this other group of men are not too happy about conceding that. And that creates the right dynamics by which you better think carefully before you come after my property, my resources, my wife, my children, because I am armed. I'm ready to defend myself and the ones that I love. So there's nothing more important than freedom. And so to all the super empathetic tree huggers, think about what happens if it was your loved one who's being attacked and raped. Do they call 911 for protection or do they take the matter into their own hands? Have a good day, everybody.